That's our MTG finance tip of the of the night. To sell cards that you don't think are going to see play ever. <laughs> That's a fucking hot tip. Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 46. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the Gordon Ramsay of Breakfast in Bed, Thomas Smiley, and we're here to talk about legacy. Did I did I take pictures of the breakfast in bed that I made my wife for Mother's Day? Or are you just assuming that that happened? I'm just assuming based on the stuff that Elisa normally posts, like the, the pictures of your, uh, I don't even know what to call it, rice casserole things that have like saffron in them. Risotto. Yes, risotto. There we go. Yeah, I I did do a big breakfast in bed thing for Mother's Day, and I cooked for Game of Thrones, which I don't I don't want to talk about. You don't want to talk about cooking, or you don't want to talk about Game of Thrones. I don't want to talk about Game of Thrones. I'll talk about why it was a fucking great episode. Okay. Did you did you not like this episode? Wait, hold on. This is too fucking funny if you didn't like this episode because this episode was the the saving grace of this season, in my opinion. Okay. You didn't like it. I I felt like Winterfell in this episode should have been more than one episode long. Okay. That's the fair. way the way that and never mind. I don't want to talk about it because the spoilers. Dude, what the fuck is with people with spoilers? Like somebody, I was scrolling through Facebook today, and somebody who I'm friends with posted the fucking spoilers for the for the last episode. No warning, just straight up on their Facebook feed. So, fuck are they you. Real? Are they real, though? How do you know that they're real? Don't say it, because... I'm, I'm not I'm not going to. I'm, but, I'm just, but, you, but I'm just saying, you know that it's real? I'm fairly certain that they are real. And I only read the first line, and I stopped reading. If, if you didn't enjoy reading it, then I'm not... I, I, did, I did not enjoy reading it. <sighs> anyway, yeah, we gotta get back on track. Yeah, we got we got some positive things to talk so, about. So one of our yeah, speaking of positive, one of our <laughs> one of our patrons came up with an amazing idea, which is when we we name our new patrons for the week, we should also say goodbye to the departing patrons. That's a, a fucking of a, stupid a idea. Send-off. That's a dumbass fucking idea that we're never going to do. Some people don't like this idea, but I think it's a wonderful idea. I think that between the, the amount of offensive things that we say and the, the number of people we might alienate, it only makes sense that we'd be alienating some listeners, right? Like the, the town of St. Louis, for example. Like, I could imagine if you're from St. Louis and you listen to the last podcast, hell yeah, you pull your patron dollar. Yeah, like, nobody takes what you say seriously, so <laughs> it's okay. It's okay if you do it. I'm not, I'm not going to dump on anybody leaving our patron or our patreon that's just like that's bush league and i don't want to do it but whatever their personal scenario might be you know who cares you you do what you do or you don't exactly and we're thankful for everybody who is a patron of ours we're not gonna we're not gonna do that at all (laughs) all right what else we got we got somebody lined up for next week man i'm excited for this i don't know if i'm gonna be able to make it 
but I'm excited. If this was a YouTube video that was a week long, I would just fast forward to next week right now. Because we have uh, we have the one and only Truckus coming on next week to talk about blue things, I imagine. Probably. High maybe, tide. Maybe a little high tide. I watched their stream. They streamed the challenge yesterday. And man, there were some there were some hyped games. I can't I can't wait to hear about it. How good is Marcus's English? I don't know. It was like a it was like a Charlie Chaplin silent stream. What? Where where he was using the notepad to communicate his thoughts because I, <laughs> I believe I believe his wife was uh, his wife was sleeping, but. Oh, it was no. it was a great it was a great watch anyway. So we got nothing. I mean, I have to go through a dig through his vods to find out what I'm in store for on a scale of like uh, PewDiePie to random Nordic fisherman. Like what, now, what? I I have never watched a PewDiePie video. Well, he he sounds like an American, but with like a couple weird words here and there. Okay. So I I, I feel like I should be expecting the same from Marcus. Uh, he looks like he lives in a densely populated region, and I know English is you know taught from like elementary school over there. So I, I I have a feeling he'll be better than he's he's prepping us for the worst. But. Is is he for from Sweden? Yeah, I think so. We I, fucking I, love Sweden. They're like number yeah. three in our country ranking all the time, well, which blo- not- which blows my mind. Oh, you're talking about our listeners? I thought you meant just like the global country rating. No, no, no. I mean, like, our our listeners get broken down by where they're from. And obviously, like, it's pretty U.S. dominated. But after U.S. and Canada, it's Sweden. And I yeah. don't know what happened. It was probably the old school cast, but <laughs> I love I love that country. We, we do love our Swedish listeners. They've been some of the most engaging, sending us emails and stuff. Like, we, we've got some, uh, we got some Swedish peas over there. Speaking of that, emails are back open, right? Oh, emails are wide the fuck open. I don't think we got any this week. Well, we also didn't plug our cast at all. We didn't give our email address or our Twitter handles or anything on our last cast, so that probably didn't help. It did not. So if you want to dump on Ian for his idea of shitting on our ex-patrons, send us an email at deadformatcast at gmail.com. Just to clear this up, it wasn't my idea. Some genius... uh, in our our discord thought it up and respect to that person and i'm sorry that your idea is getting shut down right now all right what else do we got well, you you did got, some work i i mean I, I did some work on ebay i got an uncut sheet coming to me at least one i don't know how many exactly but we got some uncut sheets of uh foil mythic of the spark or whatever it's called well foil war of the spark mythic sheet Everything is mythic now, dude. You just put mythic at the beginning of every sentence when you talk about magic, but Yeah, it's like it's like AOL screen names in the in the mid nineties where you just put like like dark in front of every screen name. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And sixty nine at the end, right? Of course. Well, with like a with like a lowercase X, capital X, lowercase X <laughs> at the beginning and at the end. Bro, so I got I got uh I have those things coming, so I, I made a special order this week of the cutters to like cut the sheets to to make a alpha alpha cut mythic edition foils. It's gonna be sick, bro. I tested it out last night on a bunch of basics and fallen empires cards and stuff. 
and it's fucking beautiful, man. It's it's a perfect four millimeter round alpha cut. Just smoked it. So I'm looking forward to having a foil Karn, the the great creator. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. With alpha with alpha cut corners. Oh hell, fucking yeah, bro! You gonna take those to your betas? Try to play them in alpha forty. Are you that guy? Oh, that would be a good idea. I don't know, man. I don't know what I could afford for a wishboard in Alpha 40, though. <laughs> Icy Manipulator might be the limit for me. But, yeah. So, we had uh, we had the t-shirt design go out to the Discord on maybe, like, Wednesday. Or, I don't know. I'm just making up the name of the day. Sometime, I sent out that design. And you want to do this through uh, something like Teespring, right? Yeah, well, I want to use I want to use Redbubble because okay. I don't want to have to deal with the shipping and the printing and the collection of money and all of that, and I want people to be able to get it quickly and order staggered times and still get their T-shirts quickly. So we need to we need to clean up the copyright issues. But man, I am pumped! You did some work on it, bro. It's gonna be a sick shirt, I think, and hopefully. They have a tie-dye option on Redbubble. I haven't, I didn't go on Redbubble to uh, check this out, but I went on Teespring and they did. So I think uh, people are going to be able to choose which color they want, right, if they do it through a site like that? Yes. So if you want a white shirt, get a white shirt. If you want a purple shirt, get a purple shirt. I think charcoal gray would look particularly good with this, but uh, tie-dye is going to be mine for sure. So, yeah, keep your eyes out if you're... Uh, this is not like a patron-specific thing, so anybody can get these. Uh, once the shirts are live, we'll tweet a link out and put it in the cast notes and probably talk about it next week, too. But I have a, I have a special section in the intro for apologies. Is, uh, is this last? Do you have anything <laughs> to say uh, in regards to this last intro topic, Ian? I just want to say, did you think that Nelly was was driving around on like a Zamboni that like they cleaned up the streets of St. Louis? Yeah, he was driving <laughs> a street. He was driving a street sweeper. Right? He, was dri- he was driving a Range Rover. That that was one of the funniest things, bro. I was dying at work when I read that comment. But anyway, uh, apologies to the city of St. Louis, and I really, honestly, I would go to that. Uh, What's it called? Moonbase Market, the the 10k that that dude Jeremy has in St. Louis. That looks fucking sweet. And unfortunately, no one no one can go. Jerry's in Barcelona that weekend. Pat has a family reunion, and you are moving that weekend. I think. Well, we're we. I want to be. So we haven't. Yeah, I I. That's the time that I want to be getting packed up and moved. And I apologize. I did think that Nelly was driving a street sweeper, but the street sweeper in a song <laughs> referred to his gun that he has cocked and ready to let it go. Yeah, it's it's definitely the most catchy, upbeat tune about a drive-by of all time. I I thought I thought he was driving the street <laughs> sweeper and like, in my mind that uh Is it just like terms of his community service he has to like clean up the streets the same way? I I was th- I was thinking that maybe he had an in with like he had some friends <laughs> that worked for the for the DPW and <laughs> he used to he used to use the DPW street sweeper to be able to move weight 
Like, so he would look <laughs> less conspicuous to the police officers? Or just to flex, like, picking up hoes or whatever in your streets. <laughs> right. I feel like, you You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody drives a sweet street sweeper. That's, you know, what I, that's just great. I I want a street sweeper now. Hot shit. I can't, I can't do that voice, man. <laughs> I'm not going to go digging for audio to clip oh, that Oh, fuck. But... I was like, please, please splice the audio in. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. All right. All right. So we had we had really not a lot of news this week, right? Not a lot of legacy news, I would say. But the meta post uh, War of the Spark is enough news, I'd say, to to fill ten podcasts. So I think we're just gonna dive right in, right? Yeah, and I think the the more important one to talk about is the challenge. Yeah, for sure. So the challenge, a lot of these decks. Over half the decks in the top eight had at least two cards from War of the Spark. But at the same time, it really wasn't that different of a top eight to what we'd expect. Like it was it was different, but it's not like the decks were like uh with the exception of Nick Fit, I guess, coming out of nowhere, right? They're all they're all decks that we've seen on Spiral Tide. So I take that back, but Well, I mean Nick Fit Nick Fit has been the best deck in Legacy for years. Yeah. Obviously, but you know, nobody's plays it, so Exactly. So we've got at the top Oddball Miracles with uh two Teferi and no Narset in the main, two in the sideboard. But it was just a stock miracles build, you know, for the most part, like uh what you think of as miracles. We're talking about three Snapcaster, two Mentor, two Jace, and then add on two Teferi. So this was kind of like the spoiler week zero. I'm going to jam two Teferis and Miracles list before everybody got on this Narset train, right? This is kind of what we were thinking about. And then we kind of thought that, you know, Teferi was only good in the blue matchups, et cetera, et cetera. But this kind of looked like the list that we originally thought about, right? Well, yeah. And I think that originally the the three cost Teferis were coming in for the back to basics because the decks were still playing some sort of advantage engine to get ahead like AK or Predict. And this deck is playing neither AK or Predict. And the back to basics are back, which I think is really important now if you want to try to fight against the the post decks or the colorless decks or however you want to classify the Karn-based strategies that people are playing online. I think back to basics is really important. And really, this is... I haven't seen a Miracles list without those two-mana card advantage spells in a while. Dude, you, you totally caught me off guard because I thought that there were two Predicts in this list. I was wrong. So I thought that they shaved down Predicts, but they completely cut them. They're on two Counterbalance, two Back to Basics. The Planeswalkers we just discussed. You know, the full two Council's Judgment, three Terminus, and a Verdict. So they're not shaving on anything. They shaved on the card advantage spells, really. And they're relying on Teferi for that. Yeah, and... And you can, yeah, you can sort of think of, you can sort of think of back to basics as an advantage engine too. And counterbalance, yeah. Yeah, when when you're playing back to basics in the matchups you want to, it's it's better than a two for one. And the nineteen land, I think, is a is a nod to the red splash. So the volcanic island in the sideboard allows them to go up to twenty as well. Oh, I missed that volcanic. Yeah, I was looking for basic mountain or something like that, but yep. Volcanic in the sideboard. There's, uh, like you said, the red bla- the red splash. Excuse me, is for 
a red elemental blast and two pyroblasts. So targeting blue in that manner, and also with the Teferis in the main. And then there is, uh, I guess worth noting, this is something you see a lot, but there's a click in this list, but I really like the, the click and Narset potential. This isn't like a Caracas deck or anything, so you can't lock someone that way. Lock, lock them out of uh, the game, basically, because if you're, you're ticking up, you have a Teferi on there ticked up, and you just lock someone in their draw step, then they're never drawing a spell for the rest of the game, right? And that is absolutely correct. So that is something cool about this list. There's a lot to like about this list, right? But it just looks like a pretty defensible list. And it's interesting because the the prevailing sentiment I've I've been hearing is that Narset is better than Teferi, right? Obviously, I have heard that. But again, this is a small sample size. We have one deck that is playing the Teferi over the Narset. Yep. And you take that, take with that what you will. Yeah, and going down the results, uh, not to spoil anything, but this is this is far from the consensus. It's just interesting to see, you know, which directions people want to take it, and it'll be fun to see where this ends up, I guess. But there's a lot of uh, a lot of very justifiable choices you can make right now, regardless of what archetype we're talking about. And actually, the second place deck is a great place to start on that because it's a very stock death and taxes deck. This is dark dark. Uh, w onyx or dark one yx i don't know but this is death and taxes talking about one ancient tomb uh three caracas death and taxes with four thalias and uh three revokers etc etc one jailer one ballista but this has two tomic distinguished advocates which is that asymmetrical lands hate bear from War of the Spark. I guess we should probably read it to our listeners. I don't think we've talked about it before, but it's white-white for a 2-3 flyer, and lands on the battlefield and land cards and graveyards can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. Your opponents can't play land cards from the graveyard. I didn't think this would be a main deck card, I'll be honest. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it is. I know it finished second in the challenge, but... I don't know if this does enough right now. The crazy thing about it is I would for sure call it a, a, like a one-of main deck card if it had two toughness, but because it has three, you can't even get it with Recruiter or the Guard. So right. th- that kind of makes it a zero or a two, and I thought it would be a zero rather than a two. Yeah, and I mean, obviously we're talking about a small sample size, but there are zero decks except for the other death and taxes deck in eighth place that this does anything against in the top eight that's a good point and there's another thing though that i'll say in favor of tonic is from the like the true name seat like the blue white blade seat or whatever blade seat you're in like just having true name one of the only cards that you really care about from Death and Taxes perspective is if they're playing the card Sarah Avenger because they can go over you and, and raise your true name that way. And this kind of is a Sarah Avenger if you look at it a little, like a 90, 90 degrees. You know, it's a 2-3 flyer for, for two white mana. It doesn't have that downside of needing to come in off a of vial because you can't cast an Avenger on your second turn. So it's almost like a Sarah Avenger with Hate Bear upside rather than a just one point of power. So it, it almost makes sense in that regard. I'm still surprised to see it, though, i got to be honest. Yeah, the Avenger 
Avenger having vigilance along with carrying equipment is just, I think that's just huge. And yeah, the vigilance part too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I still don't know if this is the main deck card, but it's obviously playable. So yeah, yeah, this was not the only death and taxes deck in this, these challenge results with two tonics in it either. Yep. Uh, if I'm, if I'm playing death and taxes tomorrow though, I'm not playing tomic, but I, I feel like death and taxes is usually a very solid choice. Especially with all these decks where your mana denial is just great against. Yeah. And also, I guess, worth noting is there's no uh, no Karn sort of package in the Seth of Texas deck. So that's like a spoiler for later. But third place, we have uh, Garricht, aptly named Garricht, with... I don't really want to call this Nick Fit, man. I mean, I know it is it is Nick Fit. It's a veteran explorer deck, but... It's it's really like rocky, pluggy kind of deck. Like this is, it's got two pernicious deeds and a sylvan library, and the curve on this deck pretty much stops at five, right? There's none of that silly Nick fit shit. Like this isn't rector fit. This isn't you know. There's no academy rector, arena rector shit going on. This is just like a big rock deck that ramps up with veteran explorer and cleans up with deed, right? Okay. I mean, I think it's I think it's exactly Nick fit. You don't think that it's relevant that the fact that they stick to strictly bug colors and stop on the curve at five? I don't know. I, I have more respect for this deck, I would say. Because it like, doesn't play like the one of Grave Titan or something like that? Yeah, or, or just, you know, draw overwhelming splendor in your opening hand, that sort of shit. I got you. Yeah, I... Obviously, the, like, the, ra- the lack of any sort of Rector base is... is fine but this is regular nick fit when i think about a regular nick fit deck okay i'm thinking about this maybe maybe having a six drop i i don't know yeah i'm glad i'm glad that you have more respect for this version of the deck but really it's it's nick fit with karn right actually i just bought some cards online from the the number one nick fit attacker the dude who who comes at us when we talk shit about nick fit so Who, who's uh, that shout out to I think his Twitter handle might be VolrathXP, but he writes vintage articles for Goldfish. Oh, Joe Dyer. Joe Dyer. There you okay. go. Okay. Yeah, yep. So, yeah. Good dude. Uh, this deck. I, I, I do. When I play against this deck, I'm always like, oh, shit. Because it's a Leovold deck. It's got every card's a two for one. We're talking about Eternal Witness, Leovold, uh, Him to Turok, right? Cobalt Therapy, the way they use it. Pernicious Deed, obviously. This is like the perfect trophy deck, as we discussed, like when the card was spoiled, right? Like who wants trophy more than Nick Fit? It checks both boxes for them. So, and also I guess we, we absolutely should note that this this deck has two Karn great creators and it has a small uh, wish, wish board like uh, package for Karn. It's got Ensnaring Bridge, Microsynth Lattice, and uh, Pithing Needle. And you can absolutely cast Lattice pretty easily in the Nick Fit deck. All right. So are we going to skip talking about the next deck and save it for next week? Absolutely, yeah. That, that's a great idea. Because in fourth place, as we mentioned already, uh, I would like to respond as Marcus with uh, Spiral Tide. And yep, yeah, you can just uh, tune in next week to hear more about that from right from the horse's mouth right 
the, the whatever they have, whatever the equivalent of a horse is in Sweden. Uh, I'm not sure. Probably, pro- what's the equivalent of um, uh, horses with better health care? Let me look this up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they just eat fish in Sweden, so it would probably be like some sort of uh, some sort of merfolk, right? Okay, ma- yeah, merfolk, merfolk. Yep. yep. So you can hear it from the merfolk's mouth. There we so, go. So fifth place, we got a throwback here, and this was the seven zero deck coming out of Swiss. Just straight fucking Trinity Tell. This is the first deck. Uh, the fifth place deck is the first deck without any War of the Spark cards. I'm pretty sure. I no, it's, it's the exact same list as it was before. Okay, good. So, yeah, there's nothing, you know, it's always interesting to see where they're at with like Spell Pierce, Flusterstorm, whatever, but this is just Trinity Tell, right? It is. And 7 0 into a loss on the top eight, I guess, but pretty impressive finish for what's always a pretty impressive deck. Dude, what is Rushing River? Uh, Rushing River is the, it's a bounce spell that you can sack a land to kick it and you get to do it again if you kicked it. So okay. it's, it's, um, think of it, think of it as just a, 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 an echoing truth that you can hit two different things with. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. I was thinking of Raging River when I first saw it. And I thought that Is that like the red enchantment from yeah. Unlimited that makes yep. you like choose sides? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's Raging River. Yep. That's what that's, I was hoping for. That, that's a card. No, it is not that card. So in sixth place, we got Wonder Pro with Tess. This is, again, another deck with no new cards in it. And it looks just like a stock Tess deck, you know, like the 13 lands we're used to seeing. Uh, seven one-man discard spells. Uh, favoring Thoughtseize over Duress, actually. But just a test deck, really. Yeah, uh, and I'm not sure what the test Cabal is on, but this has two copies of Cabal Ritual in the yeah, main Yeah, I just deck. noticed that, too. So that's that's that could be slightly different than what's stock, but yep. again... I, I'm not super tuned into that community, so I'm not sure. I've definitely seen Bryant play Cabal Ritual some number of Cabal Rituals in the past. I'm not sure I'm not sure what's stock right now. Dude, is it weird to have no past in flames in your seventy five too? That does actually seem a little Seems pretty divergent to me. Yeah. Unique. Where obviously like your opponents are going to expect past in flames lines from you. Yeah, like who, who would think that this deck wouldn't care about Craftigger's uh, Gage? Yeah, uh, obviously the the test deck cares less about graveyard hate than the ant decks do. But is three empty the Warren stock in the sideboard as well? No way, man. So that that kind of makes sense, I guess. What this deck's doing, it, it's trying to sidestep the graveyard in that way, right? And just have have a higher probability of getting a turn one empty, kind of yep. playing like the Storm Belcher plan. Yeah, so this is kind of like a uh, grinding station meets Belcher, right? Like they they have a whole bunch of empties in case in case it doesn't work out, but they also have a, a higher chance of turn one. So that's pretty cool, interesting. So seventh place, Victor Von Muerte, holding it down. 
for for those of us that's trying to stay respectable in this crazy fucking format, uh, this is just blue white blade with two Narset in the main. If I'm if I'm playing a deck tomorrow, I'm playing this. Yeah, this is pretty close to to what I I think I would want to do. There are two clicks in the sideboard, none in the main. I was thinking about trying to get click in the main. Actually, this dude Jesse emailed me talking about uh, blue white and Esper blade lists and. Uh, where I'm at right now is, is honestly pretty close to this, so I, I totally respect that. There's two back-to-basics main in this deck, so that's probably a nod to all the post-shenanigans that are going on right now. Yep, but I think... Other, other than that, it's just blue-white, right? Yeah, I think actual counterspell and back-to-basics, I'm pretty sure that I said that last week, were really good cards right now, and I like this style of deck for sure. Yeah, this is leaning hard. So there's two actual counter spells and six islands with only two planes. So usually counter spells a little bit more of a liability if you're playing like, you know, three or sometimes even four planes in this deck or, or like cards like Caracas, for example, or, or Volcanic on the splash. So this is very streamlined, like six islands, two planes, get double blue first. Yeah, I, in playing this deck, or playing very similar decks, you generally, against the Wasteland decks, are fetching island, either island or planes, and then another island. So you're you're almost all set with three basics, which uh, which is perfect for Counterspell. Yep. And then rounding out the top eight, we've got the most stock uh, Death and Taxes deck. This is like the gauntlet version of Death and Taxes right now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's got a Flagstones, but, it does. but that's it. I, I feel like that's just correct if you're going to be playing with like Armageddon or Cataclysm in your sideboard, right? And this deck is actually only on one Cataclysm, but I, I just love that interaction. Like, I feel like that's that's underused. Actually, there's, there's uh, in the sideboard, I didn't I didn't see this until just now, but they've got uh, Antifa Johnny, the, uh, the, the very angry Johnny from M19. I didn't know. I didn't know that the name of this card was Antifa Ajani. Yeah, Ajani, adversary of tyrants. There we go. He is uh, put a plus one plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures for his plus one. Uh, minus two return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And so it's just a grindy card, right? And then minus seven, you get an emblem with at the beginning of your next end step, create three one one life linking cats. I <sighs> what? Why? I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking about how this could be Gideon. Yeah, yeah, it's just definitely could be Gideon. I think that I would want it to be Gideon, but that's just me. So part of the problem with the minus on this card, like the card advantage side of this card, is most of the removal right now, like we're seeing a lot of, of white, blue-white decks, right? Like uh, Blue-White Blade and Miracles are in this top eight. There's just, and another Death and Taxes deck. There's just a lot of plows. Like you're not getting the opportunity to ban a lot of creatures. And the, the sweepers, format. the sweepers put them on the bottom too. Exactly. So there's just not a lot of like if it were to be like all Grixis or or you know whatever discard and, and lightning bolt format, then you you're recurring a lot of creatures, right? Like it's a light and shadow kind of meta, but that's not what this is. This this is a very plow 
or go over you and not really care about your creatures kind of meta. So Yeah, we, we don't start to see the card Lightning Bolt until very deep. So I, I would agree in that regard. Although I do think that this card is worthy of consideration in some scenarios. Like I, I definitely still own a couple copies of this card where usually I'll just sell cards that that I think are not not worth consideration legacy. That's our MTG finance tip of the of the night. To sell cards that you don't think are gonna see play ever. <laughs> That's a fucking hot tip. <laughs> Ninth place, this might be this the exact same as the first place list, but just another death and taxes list with two tomics. Uh, I think it actually is. Well, no, it's got Mistress Factory and, and Flagstone. Or, uh, yeah, Flagstone's Restrict Air. So it's not exactly the first place list, but pretty close. And then, yeah, we're not going to go over every deck, obviously. But a couple of points of interest, I guess. We've got a uh, Blood Moon deck showing up at 11th. This is with no new cards, just the old Blood Moon. No, no Karn, uh, 4-drop, Great Creator. Uh, in 12th, we've got that... Sussuris, the uh, Walker post list that we talked about last week, and that actually shows up again down around 28th or so. Uh, a couple people picked up that Walker post list, which is a scary list that I, I honestly expect to be seeing. Yeah, now this this player, is this the player of Were Prison in Modern? Sussuris? Yeah. I'm not sure. Somebody in our Discord actually had said who this was. I forget who it was, but... Oh, yeah. I, I think it is a word person player. Okay, yeah, I think... I think they were the original player who was tinkering with uh, War of Invention in the the Prison Shell in Modern. And they, they do a little bit of legacy streaming with uh, Stacks Prison decks. I okay. know that... I know that I've had Smokestack cast against me a few times... And I think last time I played them was before Karn the Great Creator, but I surgical their Karn Scion of Urza, and they had no more wing conditions left in their deck. <laughs> so yeah, obviously, we talked about it last week, uh, four Blast Zone in this deck seems great to me, uh, eschewing creatures other than Ballista, which is really not a creature, right? Because you drop it, and if they try to remove it, you just use it. It, it's it's more like a mana sink than a creature. Uh, so just a shooting creature is playing on a different axis, just all in on the Planeswalkers. Eight total Karns and five Ugins. 3-2 uh, split in favor of the six drop. It's just a scary deck, man. It, it seems like a really good deck to me. And that this, by the way, four Monoliths, four Dynamos, and two Voltaic Keys for Artifact Mana. We had someone ask us what they... They, what we thought of Voltaic Key, because what you traditionally see in these post decks is Candelabra, right? And this deck is a post deck, and we were talking about online, so it's not 500, 600, whatever, dollar Candelabras. This is not a budget decision this person's making. No, and I think I think the reason the reason is, let's say Candelabra's good. That's a game where your cloud posts are already generating multiple mana. Your mana is not being disrupted. You probably don't need access to extra mana. Like, this deck isn't playing 15 cost Emrakul. Right. You're not trying to to candelabra your post to hardcast it. 
your curve tops out at eight. And obviously eight is a lot, but you have a lot of artifact mana to help get there. And in the games where you're getting wastelanded or your mana is getting disrupted, Voltaic Key can sidestep that and and your plan B in the Blood Moon or Wasteland matchups is really use your artifact mana to ramp up. And Voltaic Key just does a better job of the games that you need the mana for. And I think that's the reason why they're playing Key over um, over Candelabra. Yeah, for sure. And I think that there are some tricks, too, where you can actually make more mana with a Key than a Candelabra if you're talking about the early turns, like specifically turn two or three of the game, where, you know, you can go... Uh, Soul Land into Monolith into Key on tap, etc. You, you can do a little bit more early with Key. And in a very low mana environment where you're getting wastelanded, I think Key makes a lot of sense. With a back to basics scenario, I think they're almost the same card because you can you can free your lands up with Candelabra. I think it might be a little better in that spot specifically. But I, I think it's very close either way. But I, I do think that, that Key is a pretty interesting card to be picking here. Yeah, and I think that obviously if you're playing the big Eldrazi, then then the scales tip because yep. getting getting that amount of mana you're not going to be able to do with key. Alright, so now there's three decks here that are all top thirty-two from, from nineteen to twenty-four basically. These are decks that went either a low breaker five two or a high breaker four three. We had, I don't know if our buddy Robert Wilson plays online, but if he does, I wonder if his name's Cartesian, because this is pretty much the Arcanist list he was talking about last week. Yeah, I I saw almost this exact list, minus the Echoing Truths. Oh, Did yeah, you... the, two, the two Echoing Truths in the main deck? Yeah, I, I think that every card that is listed here except the Echoing Truths, were in the deck list that got posted to our Discord. And I I would be really interested to see why, why those cards are in this deck. What, the whether, two Echoing Truths? Yeah, whether it's, a, whether it's a reaction to just wanting to have an answer for like a Karn combo where you can float mana and bounce stuff. I don't know either, man. I kind of assumed that it was that this person preferred that card to the two that we typically see in this role, which would be a braid and and to a lesser extent crater maker, where you have to play because this is a, this is like a get him dead deck. It it can it can switch gears really quickly. We've, we've seen vapor snag in that slot too. Yes, yep. One vapor snag, one a braid. I'd say would be the most common configuration, right? For you know, you have an answer to chalice, then you have like a flex spot bounce spell because you're kind of giving up on like having a plow or, or an assassin's trophy or something that can answer a big card right the way the vapor snag can right and it's it's really interesting to see like the the fact that your dreadhorde arcanist that you're paying four of is getting you a cantrip or a bolt yeah and you have multiple copies of each effect but that's that's literally exactly what you're getting so Every time, man. Every it's consistent, I guess. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting like there's uh in the sideboard, uh sudden demise and then just blast effects, surgicals, 
and Fluster Storm. That, that's all. And you, you're not flashing back Fluster Storm, you know what I mean? So it's really... I don't know. This person, obviously, they put four Arcanists in their deck, and this isn't a league. This is a challenge. So they, they obviously felt pretty reasonably strong about it. They, I, I don't know. You know, you could just be testing it out, but... Yeah, I think I think it's something to watch for, but I'm not I'm not sold at this moment. All right. Well, are you sold on the twenty second place deck, which is our buddy Adam? Uh, uh, yeah, top eight or placed in another challenge playing elves, right? No, it's not elves. This is a uh, cephalid breakfast. This is as far as the creature suite. This is just cephalid breakfast. There's three therapy and one dread return, four brainstorm. I'm not going to talk about this deck like I have any fucking idea what stock Cephalo Breakfast is. But what's new about this deck are two Teferis. And when Teferi was spoiled, one thing I think we all agreed on was that it was pretty good for combo decks, right? Like a lot of what we were talking about was like Thopter Sword potential, like to, to be uninterrupted. And what other people have talked about lately is Bomberman. But this is another deck that's a blue-white combo deck, right? It is. And when we get into the deck dump, there was another another blue-white combo deck that played Teferi. But yeah, we'll we'll have to talk to Adam again to get more of a more of an insight on this, but uh, it's got it's got Stoneforge. <laughs> it does, yeah. It's got Batter Skull too. I like the batter skull as a nod to the fact that sometimes you just have to play real magic. But there are only three Narcomoebas in this deck, so I could see that potentially being one of the spots that was shaved. Because I feel like you normally see four in this deck, but uh, yeah, like the, I said, the I'm not creature talk count, like I know. The creature count seems kind of light. Like, you need to be able to dome for 20, and you have exactly... 23 creatures so it just it seems weird like you're you're gonna dread return your giant and if you had two cephalids in play to combo off with then that's that's maximum 20 creatures in your graveyard or like that's that's at the maximum i guess you can like you can walking ballista them for one and then and then go for it I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about with this deck. So, <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to stop. The lot of the giant is interesting cuz I hadn't really thought about it, but it makes sense, you know, in this spot not having to play like the uh the haste thing or whatever. It it also makes sense that some of the other dread return targets were uh were like two combo pieces like people were playing Mimeoplasm and Lord of Extinction or something yep, like that yep. along with like it was like a two or three card package. So I feel like I'm giving a presentation right now in a class that I didn't take. Like, you know, that nightmare you have before, like your first day of college or whatever, where you're like, you get your syllabus and then you party and you keep saying like, I'm going to show up to class and you go to show up to class one day and you don't actually know where your class is. And then you finally find your class and it's like a, a paper was due and they're taking a midterm that you didn't study for and you have to give a presentation. That's how I feel talking about breakfast. Well, that's how I feel talking about the 24th place list. No, man. I'm at home with this list. You don't like this list? I'm just, I'm not a wizard. 
Rich Rich Shea is a wizard. Yeah. I I do not feel at one with this wizard list. So if you go back to probably the fall, I guess, somebody had done well, like a, probably about this sort of finish, like, you know, 24th or whatever in the challenge with a mono blue wizards deck. And that was around the time we were talking about that popper mono blue deck and such. And I actually played it online. For at least five leagues, I was playing mono blue wizards and then blue white wizards eventually with meddling mage and just dicking around with it. So, a lot of these cards are cards I've thought a lot about, like patron wizard, for example. And this deck goes off the deep end. This is four color wizards. It's kind of like Grixis wizards because there's there's just one tundra and one Caracas as far as like a white splash, but it's a vile deck. So, a lot of times you don't have to worry about the mana cost specifically. I feel like I just have to read the cards in this deck in case anybody didn't see this deck. It's 21 lands, 4 vials, 2 jits, and 4 force of wills. So half your deck is not creatures, and the other half is. There's 4 curse catchers, 4 confidants, 4 patron wizards, and 4 sage of epiteer, which is a 1-drop, a 1-1 one, one, a blue human wizard. And when it comes into play, look at the top 4 cards of your library and put them back in any order. I've never seen this card. Not not even in like fucking cube or anything. Ne- never mind legacy. That, would that's kind would of you play that in limited? Probably not. No. no yeah. I don't think so. I I yep. I'm trying to think of the format where I would, but it's it really seems very unlikely. I would I would need to be having a lot of flashback cabal therapy shit going on to play this card. But there as a those are the four ofs, and everything else is a one of. So these are the classics, man. This has got all the hitters in here. Grim Lava Mancer, Is It Staticaster, Master of Waves, Meddling Mage, Sower of Temptation, Vendillion Click, Venser, Shaper Savant, Void Maid Prodigy, and Azami Lady of Scrolls. And that's one I had to read. Azami is two blue, blue, blue for an O2 human wizard. So on rate, it does not pass the vanilla test, but tap and untap wizard you control. Draw a card. That's not bound. That's not tap a zombie and some other wizard draw a card. This is basically fucking draw seven if you can resolve it. Draw seven every turn. This is Grizzlebrand. This is Wizard Grizzlebrand, right? Wizzlebrand. Wizzlebrand. It's sick, right? Uh, I like that, but like, it's not like you're drawing into a bunch of extra interaction <laughs> to to protect your board state. You're drawing into a bunch of Sage of Epiteers and yeah. Vidalkin Aether Mage, which by the way I didn't mention because it for some reason it's not listed with the creatures here. It's but... it's because of the AE symbol. Imagine imagine actually playing against slivers with this though. What the fuck happens there? You you get to you get to flash it in to bounce their sliver. You can make a play oh, where Aether Mage, yeah. You do you do some Mutavault shenanigans like you animate your Mutavault, you tap it to draw a card with a zombie, you oh bounce God. it with Aether Mage, draw a card with Aether Mage, tap your Mutavault again, draw a card with a zombie. Dude, it's, what the fuck? That's this is this is something we need to do further investigation with. Alright. <laughs> Alright, we need to read this card for people, because I actually was thinking of a different card. Vidalkin Aether Mage is from Fucked Up Frame, the set, whatever that is, Tarmogoyf the set. Future it's, Sight. 
Future Sight, thank you. It's one in a blue for a 1-2 Vidalcan wizard. With flash. Yep. Yeah. The art kind of looks like uh, some sort of Mayan thing. But it's got flash, and when it comes into play, return target sliver to its owner's hands. And it has wizard cycling three. So you discard this card and you go at your Azami or your Dark Confidant or whatever the fuck is your Staticaster, your wizard for this given situation. Which, this seems like a fucking great inclusion. I wish I had known this card existed when I played that wizard deck. Yeah, it's a, it's a demonic tutor. It really is. Have you seen this card before? No. It's really Absolutely pretty Absolutely not. I did not know this card existed. It's a beautiful card, too. I, I'm definitely a fan of this card. I think that's, that's the cool thing that this player, SP Grinch, or Spagrinch, perhaps, that's their contribution to this cast. It's a fucking beautiful card that I've never seen before. And in the sideboard of this deck, there's not a whole lot to talk about. It's cards you'd usually expect, except there's a Stern Proctor, a Yixla Jailer, and four days, so you can board into this day's plan if you're playing against combo or whatever yeah i just feel like if you're playing against combo you probably want flusterstorm rather than days and i know that flusterstorm and vile are kind of a non-bow on the first turn yeah it's not like you can really deny mana with any of these blizzards right right i guess it it combines combines well with patron wizard like you get that you get that extra one but i don't know if i'm on board with it yeah for sure but this is a very cool deck. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's awesome when people do this kind of shit. I don't know. Did you watch any of that, like, uh, Magic Pro League this weekend? Uh, no, I did not. Do you know I'm, what it I'm is, I'm not though? really. I, I do know what it is. I didn't watch it either. But I'm not, I'm not in the target demographic for that. Right. Because they're playing standard matches against each other, right? Right. And with, like, the, the best decks in standard at the moment. And I was thinking about that a little on my drive home, like, you know, who that holds interest for and, you know, what, what people watch magic for and, and what gets the most views, like content like Saffron Olive, for example. Like, I think that you would want to incentivize things in a slightly different way. And I think that th- this deck, right, like this Grixis Wizards deck or whatever it is. Like, these kind of decks are what's really interesting, even if they're not the best decks, right? The fact that somebody brews something crazy like this up and tests it against the best decks. Like, that's the storyline, right? If you're watching, like, day one of a Star City is like, oh, Ali and Drowsy built this fucking weird-ass deck. He's 6-0. Or Jeff Hoogland's trying to play this stupid fucking bad card again. And he's, he's 5-0 Dressed right like now. an owl. Yeah. <laughs> And they get on camera, right? Because that's what people want to see. They they want to see on one side of the table, good player playing stock deck, and on the other, you know, the fucking hero. Somebody's got to play the hero, like this this brewer playing with shitty fucking cards, like a zombie of the scrolls or whatever. And that's kind of like a compelling storyline, right? Yeah, I I guess it is. So we we thank you, a zombie scroll brewer. You're a real American hero. SP Grinch. SP yeah. Grinch. It, cue, the, cue the Bud Light commercial music if you're old like me and you remember that commercial. Yeah, what, what was the catchphrase in that commercial? Real we, men we, of genius. Yes, thank you. Yep. There, there we, we go. Salute, we salute you. I, just, I can't believe I just fucking sung that. 
<laughs> Dude, I tried to sing Nelly earlier. That's true. I thought Nelly drove a street sweeper. <laughs> All right. So, was there anything else in the challenge that you wanted to talk about? Not a, uh, honestly. There's something I kind of do want to talk about, but I feel like you're not. You're gonna hate this topic. I don't think that the burn question of light up the stage has been answered yet. Okay. <laughs> do you, you don't you don't want to talk about this, do you? Uh you you have the floor. In the top thirty-two, there's two burn decks. One of them is playing light up the stage, and one of them isn't. And I was talking to somebody. It might have been Nate, or it might have been somebody else recently, and they were. All in, yes, for sure. Burn is a light up the stage deck. And my question has always been, how often does Burn win on turn three? And how often does it need to win on turn three? Because it would have otherwise lost the game on turn four. Or even pushed that out of turn. It needed to win on turn four. It had just the right amount of mana to, to deploy all the cards it needed to deploy to win on turn four, right? A light up the stage doesn't affect the board, doesn't do damage to the opponents. It does net you plus one card. So really, burn has always been every mana you're spending, you're dealing damage with this deck, right? And light up the stage is a departure from that. So the fact that these two burn decks placed, one of them playing it, one of them not playing it, I don't know, man. I feel like the question is still out there. And maybe it just shifts based on what decks you're playing against, right? Like what the meta is, how fast it is. But I think it's interesting, and I, I, I look forward to seeing when a consensus is formed on that. Yep. Continue to follow the 25th through 32nd <laughs> deck list of the challenge to see to see what burn deck goes 4 and 3 this week. Bro, every every time I play against Phil Helmuth, I I think like oh man, Phil Helmuth has got to be a storm player and it fucking gets me every time with the burn. But anyway, move on to the uh the deck dump, right? This is a fucking 43 deck long deck dump this week. So last week we were shocked at the 42 decks in the deck dump. We have to be approaching the absolute limit, right? For how many different ways you can configure decks to be 15 cards different from each other, but still like quote unquote legacy decks and end up here. Well, I mean, let's just... Let's just not talk about any of the stock. Can we can we do that? Yeah. Because there's just so much stuff here that's right. like... Right, no, I'm just saying, like, in terms of how many legacy decks are viable, like, what number would you put on that? If it was a coordinated effort? Yeah, like, how many decks are there, right? Ah, uh, because you, you could take strong archetypes and alter them... Yeah. So there yeah. are exactly 15 cards different, and you could do that for every ar- archetype and legacy, right? Right. I I don't know what the maximum is. We're not we're not close to it though. Yeah, if you put it that way. But like in terms of how many archetypes are in the format, I remember making a list one time and not getting to 50. In terms like thinking about like decks you could reasonably expect to see, right? Not, not like decks you've theoretically heard about. And I went down as far as like Spanish Inquisition to get to 50, right? But basically what I'm saying is 43 decks is a fucking lot of decks to 5 in one week. But Absolutely. The, the most interesting decks, the I picked out uh, four of these decks, and there might be some that I missed if you have any to throw in, but 
the the place that I wanted to start was Bara. One of Bara's showings on this list was a mono white deck with Aether Vial, but no Chalice. But it's not really that white Eldrazi deck either. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this deck? Yeah, it's more it's more like the modern Death and Taxes deck, and I don't want to say modern, but it's playing Arbiter. So not only is Bara playing Wasteland, but they're playing Ghost Quarter, and they're playing four of each, no port, and they're they're also playing Big Thalia. So this deck is sort of heavily relying on the mana disruption. Yeah. And Ghost Quarter against a post deck is that's a pretty good card. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And having and- having eight eight like wasteland slash strip mine effects against that deck is just great. And worth noting too, this is a four Karn Great Creator deck. So this is very much the the Karn deck that we were sounding the alarm about last week, which I got called out for, but Yeah, I mean it's it's really weird to have a four Karn four Thalia. Sorry. Four Karn six <laughs> Thalia deck. But I guess if you have a Thalia in play, you can always pay three mana to cast your smuggler's copter and loot your Karn away. Dude, and the wishboard for this deck is so funny, like compared to the wishboards we're talking about for post. Because it's got a land. It's ancient, got a straight up. It's got a plane. Den Umazawa's Jite. When you just want your Karn to be a Stoneforge Mystic, basically, uh, Canonist, which is cool, which is certainly worth consideration, and Walking Ballista, Tormod's Crypt, that stuff you usually see. But then there's also Crucible of Worlds. And I, I think I talked about in addition to Back to Basics. How last week, Crucible, Crucible's kind of good right now. Not against all these white-blue decks, obviously. But if we're going to see a ton of non-basics in posts, Crucible is a pretty good card. Well, against these white-blue decks with two planes, and if you're playing four Ghost Quarter, it gets a lot more interesting, right? That's a true story. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the default mode on this specific card was get a fucking Crucible, right? And just Knight of the Reliquary them out of this game. Yep, you don't even need the green. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet, honestly. So this is like a... It's not an Eldrazi deck. It's just like a different take on Death and Taxes, really. And I think that it's really worthy of, of consideration right now. Yeah, big, big Stoneforge. So that's Bara. That's Bara for you. All right, what else do we have? <sighs> We'd be remiss if we didn't mention... Suki time every episode, right? Well, I was about to say we'd be remiss if we didn't if we didn't mention Ice Station Zebra with Dredge King Orum. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean it's it, I think it's a stock it's a stock Magus of the Mind Shallow Grave build. Yep, but it's there, dude. I totally missed it. So I see Orum, and then I see like you know, Grizzlebrand or Cabal Therapy or whatever, and I just keep on scrolling, just figuring a straight fucking dredge. But this is not dredge, man. It is not dredge. Similar similar in style, but not quite dredge. So this is this is just tin fins, right? I mean this is like Magus tin fins, because I think Ice Station Zebra has the depths package in it. Oh I'm shit. Not... I'm sorry, you're right. It's Bizarro Stormy. I exactly. fucked up there we go. I fucked up the reference. So this is, uh, so first of all, uh, Josh Binghamton's going to be fucking pissed at you for yep. that. 
that little I, I apologize. Time. I'm not going to edit that. I uh, <laughs> I should have known that. I'm sorry. This is uh, this is a cool deck though, man. This is uh, wherever Adrian is right now. He's uh, his heart is one. Hopefully. And JPA off the fucking deep end. Jerry top eights the Grand Prix, and JPA starts to have like a <laughs> like a comic book villainous mental breakdown, and is playing Stifle Knight. <laughs> right, like he had like yeah, his Harvey misses. his Harvey Dent moment where Jerry top eights the Grand Prix, and he's watching the whole thing happen, and just fucking goes insane. Dude, is he locked in Jerry's basement right now? <laughs> I I do not know. I don't know. I can see Jerry open up the door. What's your moto password? <laughs> because this is this is the most Jerry of decks, bro. Uh, this is it, it shares a lot with that like blue black thieves deck, right? Like the mana base, but this is a, this also has Delver by the way. This is Stifle not blue black Stifle not Delver, and you don't have to reach into two colors. You're actually playing basics in your eighteen land deck. Uh, you got spell pierces and dazes and all the hits you'd expect to see with Delver. This is no nonsense JPA shit. This is a bunch of fours, two triumphs, two pierces, two thought seizes, right? So this is a really sleek looking deck list, but it's a fucking Dreadstill deck. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I just feel like I probably just want to be Shadow. If I'm playing this combination of cards, like, doesn't it? I don't know. I could yeah. be wrong. No, no, no. I, 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 I feel like I would be more comfortable just playing blue-black shadow. I think I would want to climb up the curve, but still the, the same sort of feeling that you're having of not wanting to play exactly this, right? Right. Uh, I, I just would want to get a little bigger and play, like, similar to that thief deck that we were talking about but it's cool man if i vote you know and there was a uh eld tournament i went to a few weeks ago where this deck top aided this like delver stifled not deck so maybe there's something there i've never played against it still so it's pretty cool winter orb's a good card to have right now that is true oh your boy uh mw94ga uh, notable Yuya Watanabe fan on Twitter. Oh, he, yeah. His he, deck lists are subtle and is in subtle and insubstantial. The expert leaves no trace. Divinely <sighs> mysterious. He is inaudible. Thus, he is master of his enemy's fate. That was beautifully, beautiful description of our boy. Yes. So two Nid Magus elemental. I think yeah, he he's gone. It. He, I, I, he has bounced around, but he is he is currently on two, and uh, I I feel like the deck is is still fine. I wouldn't be playing it, but this is the exact same list that he played last time. Nice with the snow covered islands and plains. Is that his? Yes, card? that it, it's fifteen card separation. Right, we we're talking about how many lists can you get, and you throw in snow covered basics game changes <laughs> i thought that might be a nod to it's snowing on mount fuji i um i don't think it is okay 
I, I just want to put this out there. If MW94GA did ASMR content, I might listen to it. Why Why do we have an ASMR Discord channel? I open up Discord to like check a tag, <laughs> and there's an ASMR channel. Like, I didn't approve of this. Well, you were at class, so I figured this was my big chance to get this through. I'm to, not. To, I'm not going to delete it on you, but I'm. I'm. I don't know. When I, I, I created, question. I question your decision making. When I created my Game of Thrones season eight episode three was trash channel, you deleted that right away. Well, it had spoilers, and I don't want people getting pissed at us for opening up Discord to see a message and then having that dropped on them. Wait, did people post in it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. That's why I deleted it. Oh, fuck. All right. Yeah, anyway. I should have been more attentive. So, back to our boy Sugitan and Experimental Frenzy Doomsday. This deck, once again, showing up in the uh, 5-0s. So, some people like this deck. I, I don't know uh, what the draw is exactly. Like, what your what your psychological profile looks like to want to play this deck, right? It's got this card, Conjurer's Bobble. Do you know what that is? Uh, is that the land one? The zero drop artifact that, like, you pay one and sacrifice it, and you get to either put lands on top of your library or opponent's library? It's like four of them? No, that's that's Lodestone Bobble. That's a, oh, okay. It's a pretty cool card. This is a one drop bobble from the helmet set that has tap, sacrifice it to put up to one target card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library. Draw card. Okay. So it doesn't slow trip like like uh, Mishra's Bobble. It's not, it's not a egg, first of all. It costs one to cast, so it's not really a bobble in that regard. But it it is a pretty interesting card, man, because it, it protects you from top of your library manipulation if you have a card with doomsday that you're hiding on top of your library that you need to access to right away that's pretty cool about it not quite in like a chromatic sphere fashion but kind of and then also it can it can protect you like with your doomsday piles this adds a certain amount of finesse to that right where you can get a card from your graveyard and put it at the bottom of your pile uh yes but doesn't doomsday exile everything you don't get yeah, but you still have like the the first uh, however many turns of the game, right? It doesn't yeah. exile your current graveyard, or maybe right, it I does. Gotcha. Does it, dude? It does. Doomsday exiles your graveyard. Yeah. Fuck. All right. So I don't. Even well, know. it allows you. It allows you to save. To. To, like, have a six-card Doomsday Pile where yeah, you recycle one of the cards, I guess? Yep. So You could, you could generate some Storm that way, I guess. It's, it's pretty interesting, I think. And, uh, yeah, that's that's about all we have to say about this deck. I, I'm not going to, like, talk about the numbers or whatever. It's got, it's got the, the cards you expect to see in this deck. And, yeah. The deck that I'm a lot more personally involved personally like uh interested in, i should say zach with ak with the four narset four days undoing fucking bring it deck this is uh this is a lot closer to what i've been sort of sketching out over the past two weeks thinking about narset 
I'm just going to read this list because there's no there's no easy way to explain it. For lands, you've got 14 Islands, a Gemstone Cavern, a Miko Koro, Blast Zone, and Gaia Reach Sanitarium. So Gaia Reach Sanitarium is another card that plays fucking excellent with Narset. It's it's really pretty clunky for Legacy, but it's a land from like Shadows Eldritch kind of block, and it it taps like a waste for colorless, and then two two in a tap for each player draws a card, then discards a card. So if you do this during their draw step with Narset out, it's just, you know, you loot and your opponent just gets locked out of the game. They're not really locked out because they can still cast instance, but you know what I'm saying. It's pretty fucking sweet. Yes. So only 18 lands because you're mono blue, two back to basics, four chrome mox. So between four chrome moxes and a gemstone cavern, you got a good chance at getting two mana on turn one. Then this is a four boomerang deck with four Force of Wills and four Foils, two Common Deers. So we're talking about a shit ton of free spells, free interaction, and on their turn. So that's really important because Days Undoing ends your turn. So if you're going to pass, you, you want to have relevant interaction. Even if you have Narset out and, and cast Days Undoing and you're putting your opponent down to one card and going up to seven, they're still going to draw and you're potentially naked, right? So having these foils and commandeers and Flusterstorm for like the cheap interaction, it's, it's still like part of the whole picture here, right? So what happens if your opponent just counters your Narset? Yeah, that, well, that's the problem with this deck, right? And that's what I've been trying to think about is like playing against a death deck, like let's say death and taxes with this deck they're kind of just going past you, right? Like, you're trying to play this, like, very meta kind of game where you're you're sort of relying on playing against either, like, a big mana deck or another blue deck or, like, a mid-range deck. But if you're playing against something like Death and Taxes, like, how much of what you're doing here matters? If they can just deploy their hand really fast so you're not going to, like, four for one or, or better them with Days Undoing, and you can't really lock them out because they have an active vial. So if they draw a good card, they can just vial it in, right? Because the other thing that this deck plays is four lore, the only creatures are four lower breakers and a, three Vendillion clicks. So it's very focused on locking out the draw step with Narset. Well, you can always just boomerang their vial and then daze undoing it away. That's obviously. a great... I, I didn't think about obviously. that. That's a great point. That I don't is, want to think about too much. I don't want to think about this too much. I think that there, there might be something here, man. I, that's why a lot of what I've been brewing lately is, is with Days Undoing. But I uh, I do like this deck. I, there's a lot of ideas. I've never seen Lore Broker before. So I appreciate that someone brought this card up. Zach with AK. So what was that deck that you want to talk about? Well, it was just White Blue on the show with the new Planeswalkers. Okay, so this is... Uh, Talk to our boy Jason Grigley about about this deck in theory, right? This is uh Well, it's it's mono blue or it was mono blue Omnitel and yep. it's splashing white for Teferi and Mentor in the sideboard. Yep. Gotcha. So yep. that's it's basically the same list. Um Narset and Teferi got added, some of the selection got shaved. And then there's mentors in the sideboard. But I yeah. think that was the first thing that most people went to when 
Teferi got spoiled. Yeah, for sure. Like, what what sort of combo decks can play this? This is, has two Narset, too, which is interesting, because when we were talking about it at the beginning, people weren't really on Narset yet. Well, I, again, people people have talked about Narset as a dig through time. Right. Which and this deck certainly wants. The, it's been a while since this deck had that card. So yeah, this is a pretty straightforward list. I think this is probably pretty close to the best version of this deck that, that you could build, right? Because there's not a lot of unanswered questions about this deck. The, the only question with this deck, because we already know so much about Omni Show, is whether the White Splash is worth it, right? So this is a very minimal version of finding the answer to that question. Yes. So yeah, respect to this. I'm glad somebody's out there doing it, because I'm certainly not going to do it. <laughs> Me too. All right, we got anything else? I think we might want to give people our Twitter names and stuff this episode. Yeah, let's actually wrap it up. So, if old patrons want to get at you and tell you how bad of an idea calling anybody out is. Uh, at Ian18125 on Twitter. Well, I and... had more. And if people from St. Louis who listen to our podcast want to get in touch with you to tell you that St. Louis is a beautiful city with great barbecue and you're really missing out. Bro, sh- shout out to Josh Perschbacher for calling me tone deaf. That was that was much needed. I appreciated that. What uh what else? If people live in Portland and want to get at you for calling <laughs> Portland the white guilt capital of the world, what else do we do? Well, it's it's like exceeds excessively likely now that I, I landed Portland, so I, I can't. I gotta stop fucking with that, man. I mean, I'm gonna be at Portland here pretty soon. When do you find out? Uh, June 11th or 12th. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, bro. I was actually having nightmares about it last night. So, well, we'll see what happens. But yeah, if people want to get in touch with you, so I'm at Ian125. If you want to get in touch with you, yo, you're at Ian18125. That's what I said. No? I No, you're probably right, bro. I've had a lot of Jameson at this point. <laughs> so, so basically, uh, yeah, if people want to get in touch with you to send you pictures of their street sweeper, how would they do that? At TSmileyMTG. And you can follow the cast at Dead Format Cast. And I would be, I would be happy if somebody posted a picture of a street sweeper on the cast Twitter. Just to sort of Sort of let us know you're out there. Bro, did you, send, did you just bring death threats upon us? No. Literally, <laughs> literally the vehicle that sweeps streets. I'm not referencing... You know what? I think you just made those things death threats. So you're talking about if somebody wants to show us a Zamboni, a concrete Zamboni, that they should send pictures of that to... It's called a street sweeper. <laughs> no, I think that you just like combine those two words, and it's a reasonable thing to do, right? Like, you want to street the sweeps, you got to do it with a street sweeper, right? Like, you got a lot of sand on the streets. Like up here, we got a lot of snow, so you got sandy streets after the winter's over, and kids are out there riding their bikes. You try to take a turn going down a hill, especially you try to take a turn on these sandy streets. That's, that's what a street sweeper is. You wipe the fuck out, bro. Like this little kid's skinning their knees and shit. So you got to zamboni that shit. 
know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. So it's called the street sweeper. So if you're in the Department of Public Works and you spend your days listening to our podcast and street in the sweep in the streets, then hit us up. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Bro, I'm so fucking drunk. <laughs> <laughs>